So let's stand together. Let's open our Bibles. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, on the, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks, put them, put them on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were, sh were shouting, Hosanna, save us, to the Son of David, the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds, uh, the, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, we thank you today, uh, Father, for your love and for your revelation. You know what I've been praying for today. Lord, that we would, we would worship you in spirit and in truth, and we would grow in our worship of you in a way that would be pleasing to you every day. So, Lord, reveal to us, open our hearts, and in our worship time at the end of this service, I pray that, Father, if anyone is bound by addictions, that in the middle of our worship time they would be set free. I pray for people today who need to be filled with your spirit, that tonight, today as we worship you, your spirit would touch them. Father, we pray that as we worship you today, those who need healing in their body would find new strength and new healing in their body. We pray that as we worship you, that those who need to be encouraged, that are discouraged, that are mourning or in grief, would find your comfort and your strength in their life. Father, you're so real to us, so close to us, and we invite you to touch us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why did they worship Jesus that day? Why did they worship him? To understand the Old Testament, to understand what was going on, you, you have to have this understanding of the Old Testament and see the prophetic theme that runs through the whole Old Testament. The, the Old Testament is all about God's plan to open the door for mankind to have a new relationship with him that we'd fallen from that relationship. And now God is beginning and God has this redemptive plan to bring us into relationship with him. The plan is centered around the promise of an anointed one sent by the Father to come, <coughs> excuse me, and to be our deliverer, to set us free. And the children of Israel understood that that deliverer was going to come through them, from the days of Adam to Abraham to Moses to David and the prophets, the message of the Old Testament again and again and again points to a Messiah. <coughs> Excuse me. He's going to crush the serpent's head. He's going he's to be of the seed of Abraham. He's going to be a blessing 
to the nations. He's going to be the son of David, the son of man. He's going to be the branch, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing towards a Messiah. And for centuries, they have been watching for the Messiah. The Old Testament is a revelation of the coming of that Messiah. Now, Messiah very simply means anointed one. The one anointed of the Father to come and do certain things. Now, when you read the New Testament, we get a Greek word, Christos, which is what we, what we know as Christ. It's the title. It's the Messiah. It's the anointed one. We talk about Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the answer to all Old Testament prophetic vision. Now, there are three great offices of, of the Christ that are revealed throughout the Bible. There's the office of the prophet, there's the office of the priest, and there's the office of the king. All have meaning in the work of Jesus. The highest combination, as you look at this and look for a, a, the, the total meaning, the highest meaning of this is the one promised of God as the great deliverer. As the great deliverer. Over the previous three years, Jesus has been showing them that he's walking in the authority of the Messiah, of the anointed one. Jesus has revealed his authority over the flesh as he's healed the sick. Jesus has revealed his power over the material, the material world, when he breaks the bread and he feeds the multitudes. Jesus has demonstrated his mastery over nature by speaking to the storms and calming the storms. Jesus has demonstrated his, his strength over the spiritual world by casting out demons. Jesus has demonstrated his ultimate power by calling Lazarus out of the grave and showing that he is overcoming death. The growing sentiment was that he was the Messiah. What we call Palm Sunday today was a messianic day. It's a messianic revelation day. He would enter Jerusalem as the anointed one. He would be recognized in their claims, even though they didn't fully understand the claims, even though there was some confusion about the claims, to the point that when the leaders of the day, the religious leaders, came and said, uh, listen, you need to stop them from saying this, Jesus said to them, if they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. What was Jesus saying? This is going to be proclaimed today. This is a messianic day. This is a day where the Messiah is being revealed and being shouted about and sang about. And no matter what any person does, this proclamation will happen today because the Father in heaven has foreordained for this messianic proclamation to happen. However, as much as this was going on and as much as this was happening, as much as they had looked forward to the Messiah, they really weren't ready for him. And part of the reason they weren't ready for him is the teaching 
about the anointed one throughout most of the rabbinical teaching and most of the cultural teaching of the day had been about one of his roles, not all of his roles. It was the role of the king. It was the role of the conqueror that they looked at and they saw. Now this was a this, this was a, an easy thing for them to, be, to misunderstand because this was a people whose heritage was a heritage of God moving in ways to conquer and overcome for them. After all, they'd had 400 years of bondage in Egypt and God had moved to set them free. They had come to the promised land and had, an, and had enemies that needed to be defeated and God had moved to, set the, to, to, to deliver them. They had fallen back into sin and had ended up being carried off to Babylon and 70 years later, God had moved to set them free. There had been this continual theme of God moving to set them free. So they were focused on the coming of a political national hero. The thought of the prophetic and the priestly where Jesus would go as the priest and instead of offering the imperfect lamb that we read about in Hebrews, would offer himself as the perfect lamb to die once and for all for our salvation, for his blood to be shed for all mankind, to set us free. That was lost in translation. They worshiped Jesus that day thinking that Rome would be cast off and a new national day of glory would be revealed. But Jesus had a bigger issue to deal with. He, he, had, he, had, he had come to give mankind a way of salvation. That's what we sing about today, amen? We think about the Lord, how he saved me. How he saved me. A new way to new birth. A way to the Father. See, he had to be the Lamb of God for our sake. He had to be the Lamb of God before he could be the King. They had lost this in the, in the big picture. They had missed this in the big picture, and they were looking for this overcoming King. What about us today? We come in here and we sing, and the Bible tells us we should worship Jesus do we see the big picture of his work in our lives? Do we rejoice in the big picture of his salvation? Do we rejoice in the big picture of eternal hope? Do we rejoice in the big picture that he is coming again to set all things right in our world? Or do we simply look at the daily things where we need our daily deliverance and wonder when those things don't happen at our speed. Why do we worship him? We worship Jesus because it is a right response to what he is in us every day. We, we move into the spirit and the spirit calls us and we begin to realize what God has done for us. Jesus is the, is the Messiah, is the fulfillment of, of the Old Testament prom promise and the foundation of the New Testament revelation with God, uh, relationship with God for now and in eternity. And worship, 
our expression, what we do when we stand and we sing to him and when our hearts rejoice in him, when we lift our hands to him, when we open our lives to him, is a right response to who Jesus is. It's the way we should respond when we recognize that he is the Lamb of God who made the way of salvation. That's the greatest message of all, isn't it? No matter what else happens, that we are saved, back in a right relationship with God, heaven can be our home, that in itself should make us jump to our feet and sing and praise and thank God. It's a right response for what he has done. He's also the great priest who intercedes for us before the Father. He's there today. In all of our failures and all the things that we mess up, he intercedes for us today. And he is the soon-coming king who will make all things right. Justice will be served. Worship is a right response to who Jesus is today. It is right to worship him because Christ alone is our hope. Where, where, where does this hope come? Well, first of all, let me tell Jesus, there's hope because, because with, with Jesus, let me be clear, with Jesus, there is purpose to life. Without Jesus, there's no purpose to life. All the joy that we experience, all the pain that we experience, all the loss that we experience, all the gain that we experience, comes to nothing, means nothing in the course of, of eternity without Jesus. But in Jesus, we become sons and daughters of God. We become a people who have been created to be with him and created for good works through him. There's purpose to life because of Jesus and no purpose in life. Nothing matters outside of him. With Jesus, there is direction for life. Without Jesus, every man goes his own way. There's no true sense of right and wrong. So when you see a society breaking down from this concept of Jesus being our direction, that society begins to break down. We argue, we debate over what's right and what's wrong, we fight over what's right and, with what, and what's wrong, we are left to the whims of society. Friends, hear me. We need to be praying for our country. Our country is suffering from this lack of a foundation. We are in turmoil today. We are in disagreement today about the fundamental things of life and what is right and wrong because we have lost our foundation in Jesus and in who Jesus is. This is not only true, friend, in our in a, in a national view, it becomes true in our relational view and how we treat each other, how we see each other, how we look at other people. All of it breaks down and we, we end up becoming selfish and self-centered and self-driven when Jesus is set to the side. But when Jesus comes into our life, when we open our heart to the guidance of the Spirit of God and Jesus comes into our life, 
that he brings us towards unity in relationships. In him there is a voice to guide us in what is right and wrong. We can be filled with his power to walk in his strength and overcome the whims of the flesh and to walk in the fullness of the power and the grace of God. That's something to rejoice about. There's hope in Jesus. With Jesus, life is full of promise. There are no guarantees without him. There is no light of eternal life without Jesus. As time rushes by, our destiny is the grave without Jesus. We say goodbye forever to those who go before us without Jesus. It is false hope to dream of a better place for, your, for yourself or for your family members. It is a false hope to dream about family reunions unless Jesus is involved in the picture. He is the one that makes all of those things possible. He is the one that opens the door that we can have reunions someday. Can you imagine that first day in heaven? How do you think that's going to feel? When you look across uh, the room for the first time and see a child who maybe died as an infant, your spirit was crushed, but now there they are. And by the wisdom of God, you know who they are and they know who you are. Is that going to be a day of days? Can you think about that day when you step into that place and you see a mother who's gone before you a long time ago or a father who's been gone, a brother or sister or friends? How do you think you're going to act? You're going to stand there coldly and go, yeah, kind of cool to see you. <laughs> what do you think that day's going to be like? Is that going to be a day of rejoicing? Do you think there'll be some people running into each other's arms on that day? Will your heart be calm or will it pound with the joy of the Lord? Jesus makes that hope possible. Jesus is the center of that hope. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Nobody else conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that leaves us at a place of rejoicing today. And greater than all of that, friend, greater than all that, you will be, I want you to hear this, you will be in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. When the Bible describes heaven, we've talked about this before, when, when the Bible describes heaven, it describes heaven as a place that doesn't need the sun because the presence of God is the light, that there's no shadow there. I look down here on the ground and I see, because the lights, I see my shadow. I see the shadow of the chairs. In heaven there's no shadow because the presence of, the, of God floods in, not like a light, but like water flooding and filling a place so that every nook and cranny is filled with his presence and we get to walk in it. We get to be in the presence of the Lord. We get to be there. Now think about it. When we worship him, when we worship him, friends, we get a touch of that. When we worship him, we get a touch of his presence. But in heaven, it will be full It'll be full and everlasting. I don't know how a truly born-again person cannot be an expressive worshiper. How a person who really understands who Jesus is and a person who's really had that deposit of the Holy Spirit 
place in their life, how they cannot be an expressive worshiper. Now listen, this isn't about a ritualistic response to God. This isn't about us knowing, oh, this is the right time to raise our hand, or this is the right time to kneel, or this is the right time to stand. It's not a, let's all do this together. No, the born-again person has this deposit of the eternal in their hearts that needs to be expressed. A thankfulness needs to be expressed. There's a desire because of this deposit of the Holy Spirit to say thank you to God. Do you have that? Do you have that deposit that makes you want to throw caution to the wind? That makes you want to throw all self-pride to the, to, the, to the side and say, God, I am so thankful for what you mean in my life. That's why we worship him. See, the goal of this message is not a right expression. The goal of this message is for us to examine our hearts and say, do I, do I really sense this? True worship is an expression of a right heart, a right response to God. Why do we worship him? Because he is our hope, and there is no hope without him. Finally, Dave, friends, how should we worship him? We are to express ourselves with gratefulness, reverence, and awe. Hear these th three words. Let them direct your expression of worship. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom, a new set of rules, a new order of things. Let us be grateful that we've received this new order of things where there is eternal life, where there is the presence of God to guide us, where we can walk in God's presence today. Let us be grateful that we've received this new kingdom that cannot be shaken, cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Acceptable worship is, listen, th th that means, when it, says, when it says acceptable, that means there's unacceptable. Yeah, do you get that? He didn't just say, well, just offer whatever you want. He says, offer acceptable worship. The Bible fills us, fills us with, with direction on what's acceptable worship. To sing before him. He said, well, I'm, I'm not a very good singer. God doesn't, he's not caring about what your voice sounds. He's caring what's coming from your heart. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm just not one that's into, you know, a lot of public display. Well, that's because your heart's not right. When you understand who Jesus is, I'm telling you, friend, when you understand who Jesus is, there's going to be some public display. Not because somebody's told you, but because it's in your heart. And now you've got to say, so what's acceptable? What is acceptable? Listen, there are extra-biblical things that people do in some worship settings. They're extra-biblical. They're not in the Bible. And I would just tell you today, I, they're extra-biblical. They're not biblical. I, I don't want to get caught up in what isn't biblical. There's plenty of proper expression that is biblical. 
And sometimes people say, well, see, you know, people get carried away in their emotions and do all sorts of things in their emotions. I don't want to be like that. That's fine. You don't need to be extra biblical. On the other side, there's less than biblical. And that's just as unacceptable as the extra biblical. The person who refuses to lift their hands to the Lord. The person who refuses to bow before him. The person who refuses to express to him. is really a revelation that their heart's still in rebellion and their heart is still darkened to who he is. Friends, we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It can't be destroyed. It can't be overcome. There, he says there's going to be reunion with loved ones. There's going to be reunion with loved ones. He says that heaven can be our home. Heaven's going to be our home someday. He says that his spirit will be with us to lead us and to teach us. His spirit will lead us and teach us today. All the promises of the Bible are ours, and the enemy cannot overcome. The promise of the Messiah is yours. Acceptable worship has both feet founded in biblical expression and comes from a heart that wants to please God. No excuses. They've all fallen to the wayside because our heart resonates with gratefulness for who Jesus is. Every time we worship, it should be like Palm Sunday. It should be a celebration of the King coming into our lives. Not because of the music, but because we see Jesus, the Messiah, and we worship Him from our heart. Are you grateful? Have you thought about what He's done for you? What He's doing for you? Have you seen His promises for your life? Are you approaching Him in acceptable ways? Who's defined those ways? You or Him? Does your heart find joy in what Jesus is to you today? The mature believer, the mature church is a church that worships in spirit and truth. We worship Jesus, the one hope of our lives. I'm going to invite you today in just a moment to stand with me and the prayer teams can come down to the front over these next few moments. If you need prayer, you can come down. But we're going to take a few minutes and just worship. If you're a believer, just worship Him freely today. If you're not a believer, you're new here today, just sit back and relax and watch us worship God. And just in your heart, I would encourage you, God, if this is real, if you're really there, if you really love me, if all these things are really true, show it to me. Reveal yourself to me. Are you ready to worship the Lord? Let's stand and get together.